Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! That was the call of the game-winning touchdown pass to McCole Hardman. I think, you know, even Sabah, even Ben Standing could have made that throw. Even Brock Purdy could have made that throw. Um, thank you for all of your feedback on the Sabah uh, calls. Uh, we love Sabah. She comes with passion. You have to say that when she is on the air. Um, ben Standings with us as he is every Monday and Friday at 12 noon as our Washington Commanders insider. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. Listen to his podcast at Standing Room uh, at The Athletic. It's totally worth it. I'm a subscriber. You should be as well. Um, Ben, real quickly, because I had a really good caller right before you jumped on. Colin. Colin, great call. And I went up and looked at the Brian Burke um, uh, uh thread on the analytics regarding taking the ball or not taking the ball. My feeling in the moment last night was, because I've, I've given this thought before, you defer in this situation. You defer because when you get the ball, which you're guaranteed to get the ball back with the new overtime rule, you know what you need. Do you need a field goal to win, field goal to tie? Do you need a touchdown to tie? Do you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to potentially win or lose? And really, the significant benefit, incremental benefit, comes from having a fourth down at your disposal. I had somebody tweet me and say, the first team with the ball has fourth down at their disposal. They do, but not out of necessity, out of choice. Uh, Fourth down out of necessity is completely different. Like if it's fourth and five and it's a tie score in overtime and you're at your own 22-yard line, you're punting. In this case, you get four downs with Patrick Mahomes to pick up 10 yards. But real quickly, Ben, before I get to Brian Burke's thread, what did you think in the moment when Kyle won the toss and took the ball in overtime? Uh, I definitely didn't think it was as big of a deal as everybody is kind of making it out to be. Um you know, you, you kind of know the the score in, in a realistic sense that you're going up against Mahomes, and you know that this is uh, the the deal. But I understand the, the the deferring and why that would be uh, the better way to go for that reason you're describing the fourth down aspect, you know, the understanding of what you need to do. And I guess Kansas City has been saying that their plan was, if needed, 
to get the touchdown and then go for two, but they weren't even going to uh, mess around with even more. But that's obviously something you do when you have, you know, when you already know what the other team has done. So, um, yeah, I, I get the delay, but I didn't think it was like as major a crisis as everybody's kind of making out to me. Yeah, and the odd possession possibility, meaning the team that takes the ball first has a chance to end up in a three-possession overtime with one more possession than the opponent, that is not available in the college overtime rule. College teams defer automatically because you're guaranteed to have the same number of possessions as the opponent. Um, and then you know what you need when you take over at the 25-yard line. And again, you've got fourth down at your disposal out of necessity if you needed it. So this guy, Brian Burke from ESPN, a big analytics guy, basically, I'm not going to read the whole thread because it's lengthy, but he basically said that they, he's run lots of simulations of this. Remember, this is the first overtime game um, in, uh, in in the Super Bowl with these new rules where you're guaranteed to get the ball for the second time. It's only the second time we've ever gone to overtime in a Super Bowl. Um, and so it was clearly highlighted, spotlighted last night. But the overall advantage analytically based on his many simulations is that there is a 50.29% advantage to taking the ball as teams either punt with no score, score, and then they get it back with any score being able to end the game. Now, if a team were to go for two on their first possession as a second possession holder, that pushes the overall analytic advantage down to 50.19%. So basically, analytically, it's a coin flip. I w- didn't think of it that way. I'll, I'll be truthful. I thought of it as... You want to know what you need to do when you get the ball back and you want to have the advantage of having a fourth down out of necessity if you need it. To me, that is a big strategic advantage. I would have deferred. Um, The only reason I thought I wouldn't defer is not thinking about a third possession in overtime, uh, but thinking about the state of the game. The context of the game is my defense completely gassed at this point. Am I putting them right back out onto the field where they ended regulation and is at a disadvantage defensively in the first drive? And that would perhaps change um, the context a little bit because there's always context around the numbers, and I think some of the numbers people never include that. Many of them do. Anyway, Ben Standing's with us. Okay, Um, give me your overall thoughts on the game. I haven't heard uh, what what you or others have said yet, so uh, I don't know if I'm repeating repeating everybody. But it doesn't you know, matter. Pretty... We have a new audience every 20 minutes. <laughs> well, a bit of a snooze fest early on. I mean, obviously the defenses were very good, but from an offensive perspective, you know, nothing particularly exciting. Uh, but then it really you know, picked up late as the Chiefs, you know, finally got some. Oh, since they finally got some breaks, but got some breaks, got some momentum, and uh, you know, things kind of went back and forth. From there, I think that the Niners look. Obviously, they had the lead pretty much throughout the game. Therefore, you know they kind of blew it. But I think they blew it in the first half. Like they, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they were like playing at some incredibly dominant level, but they certainly had much more going on positively than the Chiefs did. Um, you know, they, they were able to move the ball, but then was a, you know, an early turnover and some penalties cost them the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes. I don't recall seeing him look that uncomfortable for that long as he did in that first half and maybe a little bit into the 
to to the second half. But you know, eventually they're going to figure it out, which they did. So I kind of feel like the Niners sort of blew it uh, when they just didn't tack on enough points early on when they did have it going on. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have all these debates about who's the best and this and that. When you have a guy on your team that you know if he's given the ball in clutch time is going to beat you, that is that is the definition of like the goat or you know the the being in the discussion for that because not everybody is going to do that. Even best players in big moments don't come up big. And Mahomes over and over and over again, it's just you know it's inevitable. Um, you know maybe Kyle thought, hey, if we score first in overtime, somehow they'll forget that the rules will change and he'll be out. Uh, because you don't want him having the ball with your uh, fate uh, attached to it. And sure enough, I mean, Mahomes is just too good. And, uh, you know, once again, the Niners, uh, you know, blow leads, come up short, or or I should say teams with Kyle Shanahan uh, calling the offense or running the whole team. So tough beat for them. But, you know, the Chiefs, I mean, the Rudy Tom Donovich line, you know, never underestimate the heart of a champion. I think that stuff like that gets oversaid. I don't think it gets oversaid in this case. Yeah, I you you um you pretty much echoed a lot of what I said. I think the first half they'll rue the, the first half opportunities. They were the better team. The 49ers were. They were dominant at the line of scrimmage. It seemed like for much of the first half, and you know a fumble, two penalties back to back by Trent Williams, um, and uh, you know quite honestly, Kyle Shanahan blew it at the end of the first half. He should have called a timeout on defense. He would have had. You know, fifty plus seconds to you know after the field goal um, that made it ten to three to do something on offense. So he lost a possession there. Um, it was all kind of self-inflicted. Look, the Chiefs were kind of making errors too. I mean, five penalties for fifty-three yards. They had you know a Pacheco red zone turnover. Um, it was funny because. I think a lot of people got to halftime, and I felt the same way. It's like, now, I was excited because I had the under, and I had the under in the first half. So I was like, this is exactly the kind of game I like. Um, But it was kind of meh in the first half. But even the mistakes, like the two turnovers, to see McCaffrey fumble as they're just rumbling down the field, kind of shocking in the moment. To see Pacheco fumble as they were in the red zone getting ready to score, Kind of shocking um, in the moment. Um, And the hitting from the beginning of that game was fierce. I thought both teams at the end looked like they had been through, you know, one of those wars of, of, of a game with the hitting and the speed and the, I mean, there were crunching tackles uh, in the game, but um, Mahomes, man, I mean, we're, you're, you're a big basketball guy I love it too and everybody comparing him to Jordan and we're living through kind of the Jordan era in football there are similarities in the way they both do it I mean there are like you know look obviously he has Travis Kelsey which is one of the you know best tight ends of all time look at the rest of the people around him this This isn't you know who what are we talking about here they have you know, look, I like Rushy Rice and, and, and Isaiah Pacheco runs hard, but, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, star players now or guys that were drafted in star player positions, you know, like are in roles. Uh, the, the, like he is doing it, uh, you know, insanely well with not that much to work with. The offensive line, you know, he's missing his Pro Bowl left guard. I think there were those, uh, at least in one other spot where they're kind of short. Uh, 
you know, they, they, I mean, they were getting, you know, blown up in that first half. I mean, the Niners, you said teams were playing, you know, hitting hard. I mean, the Niners' defense, especially in the first half, was looking really good. Obviously, we saw Chase Young get involved a couple times. Um, you know, that it was looking like, oh, boy, the Niners realized they've been kind of asleep the last couple of weeks, and here they come. And they did, and it still didn't matter. <laughs> like, I mean, Mahomes was still uh, getting by. You know, like I said, he looked pretty uncomfortable, I thought, in, in that first half. But, you know, he's never he never gets down. And, yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, to me that is the, the ultimate separator from the really, really good players to the ones we put at the top of the, of the pyramid is the ability to stay the same, if not raise their game, in the biggest spots. It's not always going to work out. Tom Brady didn't win every Super Bowl. I, I know Jordan won every finals. But, uh, you know, in general, it, it's it's win or lose. They go out and they play at a very, very high level, and you have to beat them. And that was what happened again last night, except the Niners, you know, fell fell short of the ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, Mahomes, uh, you know, I think I think it's fair. It's, it's not fair to say he's the greatest of all time because he just hasn't played enough relative to Brady and others. But it is fair to just say he is trending to be there, if not be the top. And that is a staggering comment in in and of itself. It is. Uh, He's 28. I mean, you know, we're in the midst of a run. They've got to upgrade, you know, with some of their skill position players. This was the opportunity, as you described. I mean, what did he have around him on offense this year? Uh he had a Travis Kelsey who really actually had issues. They had the most dropped passes of any team in the NFL. They were one of the most penalized teams in the NFL this year. You know, Andy Reid, before the game, I was watching one of those things with him, and I forget who it was with, but he just said, look, we, we just realized heading into the postseason, if we cut out the penalties and the drops, we're going to be – we're going to be, uh, you know, in position to do something. And he also said, and if number four comes along, as in Rasheed Rice, so even he recognized they didn't have a true wide receiver, a true number one. I mean, they got McCole Hardman midseason from the Jets. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, look, I, the Mahomes conversation, with the exception of a few people, including one of our callers, um, is like an easy one to have. It, we're clearly watching one of, if not the greatest to ever do it. Uh, and the idea that Brady's seven Super Bowls was an untouchable doesn't seem so untouchable anymore. Um, and we're watching a guy in his prime who just did it with the worst offensive team he's played with since he's been in the league as a starter. And he's on a team right now. I think you can call, right, three and five years a dynasty. That's a dynasty. It's certainly a mini dynasty. Four trips, three wins in five years. Plus, I mean, they've made the AFC Championship game what six times in a row? Or six in like a that? row. So yeah, yeah. And the yeah, yeah. AFC, no, I, I think, the Super Bowl they didn't go to, they lost in overtime. Yeah, I, I mean, here's here's where I'm at on this. The notion of like rival and peer can be, you know, it depends. It sometimes can be like sort of eye of the beholder, or had it, or what's the timing. But, like, typically when we have these things, you know, Brady and Peyton Manning, I was always on the Brady side, but obviously that was a fierce discussion, and at times the Manning people certainly had their their, their side. You know, Jordan wasn't always viewed as the goat in part because, you know, Magic and Bird, and, and you know, that he had to get past that situation and whatever. We can go through this, you know, tennis, you know, Everett and Belova, Federer and Nadal, Djokovic, like all these things. I don't think Mahomes has a peer. I, I don't think there's another person 
Like, we, like I really like Joe Burrow, and if he stays healthy, I kind of think he's the second guy. But, you know, uh, it's not it's not a debate now. We can just say Josh Allen. But, you know, Mahomes – I know it's not an individual sport, but Mahomes wins that battle every single time. Yeah, it's I don't not, think anybody's it's, really – It's just not a debate. Now, nobody's saying he... – you know, nobody's saying Allen is the best quarterback in the league in all seriousness. And, and, and that, I have a pretty rare time to be – you know, to, to have it where it's – for the moment, forget the all time. There is just nobody else to debate. And this, again, this, you know, as fantasy football owners know, this was not like some vintage Mahomes season by any stretch. Like, I, you know, he was getting benched in leagues. I know that's not relevant to the point, but it's not like this was like some, they just had their offense clicking all year. This was the gritty, they had to find ways to win and did so in the, in the, in the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny because, when you got into the third quarter and it had been basically five quarters of football where the Chiefs had done nothing offensively going back you know they they scored in their first two drives against Baltimore and then that was it you know they went three quarters and the first you know two and a half without a touchdown and then they got the touchdown based off of a botched punt return and i'm sitting there thinking man you know mahomes he doesn't have a lot of help, understood, but he's rattled, he's off, and then, you know, it didn't matter because when they absolutely had to have every big third down, every fourth down, every big play, he made them for the final hour, hour, 20 minutes of that game, and it was just incredible um, to watch. Um, I think another conversation coming out of this game is about Kyle Shanahan. And the fact that he's had this sort of, you know, quasi-genius label offensively attached to him. He's now part of three Super Bowls in which there were 10-point or greater leads lost. OC, you know, with Dan Quinn in Atlanta uh, when they lost the 28-3 lead. Head coach against the Chiefs twice with a 10-point lead. Um, And is it crazy to think that he's a really, really good coach – but for whatever reason, can't win the really, really big one. Um, sure. I mean, look, until proven otherwise. I mean, I think in his case, you know, the genius label and the look, if we watch him and, you know, sort of interpret his body action, you know, there's a bit of a, yeah, I know I'm really good vibe to him as well. And I think that makes oh, yeah. the, uh, that makes the, uh, the, the hammering on him even, you know, come down even harder. Uh, so there's definitely some of that. And uh, look, you know, I don't know. I mean, like McCaffrey kind of went to be an afterthought in the second half. He was, he had eight carries for 28 yards. Um, he, he still finished 80, 80 receiving, 80 rushing for the first time all year. Um, so, you know, the, I guess my point is that like, they just couldn't quite get him the ball enough in that one stretch. And, you know, Debo, they tried. He got 11 targets, only three receptions, though. You know, it felt like that was sort of the, the missing piece for them. They just, other than McCaffrey, just could never quite get anybody else. Kittle, only two catches, I think, for like four yards or something. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he could have really done in this game. I mean, Brock Purdy played pretty well throughout. I thought he, he was not, you know, uh, he did not look like a guy who only, was only in his second year, especially in as the game kept getting uh, tighter. You know, I'm sure there's specific things that people will pick apart and say could have done better. I just think, like I said, that first half, they just that was their time to shine. You have to know Mahomes is going to rally, and they just could not get enough separation when things were going their way. And after that, you know, again, I, 
I, I think everybody's overblowing the, the overtime call. And then from there, you know, what, look, what's he going to do? Jake, you know, the, the kicker misses the extra point. If he doesn't miss it, then, you know, this game is completely on a different, you know, trajectory because now the Niners are at four instead of three. Is that on him? You know, no. But, yeah, there's something to be said for this for that fact that they keep uh, they keep Conley coming up short, and that's going to be his tag for a long time now until until he does. Yeah, this guy Justin just sent me this, and I saw, um, and I appreciate that. That you know, Purdy definitely was okay versus the blitz until it got to third down, and that's kind of what I've emphasized throughout the show is that I thought that Spagnolo really confused him on third down with the pressure. He was two for six on third down, and they just missed. And look, that's a veteran, outstanding, big game defensive coordinator who's done it to many others, and this is a second-year quarterback. I want to emphasize, I thought Purdy was fine in the game. Uh, He was not Mahomes um, because he didn't do what Mahomes did, Um, but uh, he was overall two for six on third down when blitzed, and there were a couple of blitzes where he just clearly didn't see it, and they were big ones that would have kept him on the field. Like, they had a chance at the end of regulation. That was the biggest play of the game for the 49ers before overtime in the third in the uh, third down decision, and that was the third and five at the KC 35 at the two-minute warning. You complete a pass, you convert a first down, and you're in position to walk off with a field goal. Um, the Chiefs have two timeouts, one more first down and you walk off with a field goal in that game um and then I don't know one thing Denton we haven't talked about and I'll talk about it with Ben on the fourth and fourth the Kansas City nine I think it was an analytic toss-up I think maybe a slight advantage to go for it in overtime in the tie game at at, at 1919 they took the 27 yard field goal I felt like field goal was the right decision there in context I just think that Purdy wasn't seeing what Spagnuolo was really dialing up too much of the time. And a fourth and four coming away with no score, even though Casey ends up with poor field position, I mean, he had just driven the ball down the field for a field goal uh, at the end of regulation. Look, their last their last possessions went field goal, touchdown, field goal, uh, field goal, touchdown for the Chiefs. Um, fourth and four, overtime, Kansas City nine-yard line. Did they do the right thing by kicking the field goal? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have a <clears throat> have an issue with it. You know, every time we have these conversations about the analytics, say X, Y, or Z, you know, the analytics doesn't know context. It doesn't know that, you know, like what you just said. I guess I think Brock Purdy was totally fine, but you have to recognize he is still a second-year guy who has not faced this. And the Chiefs have their defense. I mean, we haven't even really discussed them. You know, their defense was just – Tremendous again. Their defense is what is what gave them this title. Yeah. I know Mahomes gets MVP, and that's just going to be the way it is with the quarterback. But their defense was just spectacular throughout these playoffs, and they did face, you know, um, really good, you know, teams, uh, offensive teams throughout, and they just completely stifled them. Uh, and uh, you know, here, you know, like I said, I think San Fran did what they needed to do in the first half, and was pretty efficient moving the ball, except for getting. Touchdowns, but yeah, I mean, I, I had no issue with the field goal from that perspective. And look, you have, you know, you're the Niners. You have a really, really good defense. This isn't like, you know, the Commanders with the defense that they had this year, where you're saying we got to kind of go for it, uh, you know, and put this thing away. 
as best we can. So no, I, I don't have, I didn't have an issue with, with that. Like I said, I don't know if I had much of an issue with San Fran on a lot of things. I just think Mahomes is Mahomes and their defense, the Chiefs defense was just great again. And they needed to do a little bit more and they didn't. All right. Uh, let's talk some Washington commanders with Ben Standig. Uh, there was a lot of activity over the weekend as there always is with respect to draft and free agency and big decisions with the other 30 teams that are not playing on Super Bowl Sunday. And we had the Ian Rappaport talking about Chicago needing a big haul to trade away number one. Wash uh, Garofolo reporting that you know they they basically told Kingsbury you'll have you know we're going to do our best to give you the choice of the quarterback that you want. Doug Williams saying nine out of ten, to, you know, taking a quarterback at number two. Um, just give me a sense before we get to sort sort of the 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 new coaches that have been hired. What you made of uh, the overall reporting over the weekend about Washington and number two? Yeah, I mean, not to be a buzzkill about any of this, but I don't think it makes. I don't, I, I don't really buy any of it. Uh, like, I'm sure, like because Caleb Williams is who he is, and so is Drake May, and maybe to a degree Jaden Daniels, but he was a late. Um, add on to this like you know top three conversation. I'm sure these teams have done plenty of homework on these guys, but we just went through this with you know with Ben Johnson. Like I doubt that anything is definitive. Like you're gonna want to meet Caleb Williams in person, right? You're gonna want to have different conversations. You're gonna want to bring him in. Now maybe it's still an overwhelming favorite, and maybe he's gonna be the guy. And it feels like if I'm the Bears, that is the move to make, <laughs> rather than keeping Justin Fields for a variety of reasons. But, I mean, is there a world where they, you know, say, hey, we kind of think Drake Mays as good or Jaden Daniels as good? And, you know, we, we, we would actually wouldn't mind trading down, but it doesn't have to be the mother load because we want, you know, any, getting anything more than what we have now is a benefit, especially we still think we're getting a quarterback that's pretty good. And, you know, from Washington's perspective, I'm sure Williams is a very attractive prospect. But, you know, there's questions there as well as there would be with any prospect. And again, May and Daniels are sitting right there without you having to do anything to trade up. So I, I don't buy that it's like a done deal, even if it is the overwhelming uh, favorite part. And as for telling Cliff Kingsbury he can get whatever quarterback he wants, boy, I kind of hope that's not the case, right? I mean, he's not the he's not the head coach; he's the offensive coordinator. I wouldn't want him saying I can get whoever I want, and it's somebody you're not confident with, or that like you know you're going to move heaven and earth trade up to one i would hope it's like hey here's here's the deal we have this pick we're going to figure this out we're probably going to have a quarterback no matter what and you know you know you'd be the guy to come in if they're you know i, I would be surprised if they're really going to move heaven and earth to, to make cliff kings very happy but you know uh again at, at the end of the day whatever that is component is you know they've got to figure out who's the best quarterback option for them if that's the way they want to go and do the best they can to get that person all right. At the beginning of the show, I, I updated everybody on the last time we talked. Larry Izzo um, in as uh, the special teams coach. Um, the discussion of Tavita Pritchard staying. Uh, Jason Simmons in. Randy Jordan gone. Give everybody what you've learned this morning and what's been reported this morning with respect to new coaching hires. Yeah. So the one that's an easy, popular one, Ryan Kerrigan is staying on as a Pass rush, uh, I think it's coordinator and linebackers coach, which was, I guess, a little more surprising on that point. But it was assistant linebacker coach. So not the end for whatever it's worth. Um, so Ryan Kerrigan stays. It seems like a no-brainer to keep around the guy who's 
the franchise all-time leader in sacks. who just got into the coaching game last year, so he is staying. Uh, new offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson. Uh, at first, you might be thinking to yourself, hey, you know what? Wh- whoever was to blame last year, better than better to make changes where they get at, at a for a group where they gave up 65 sacks last year. Well, okay, but the guy that gets hired was the O line coach for the Giants last year, and they gave up 85 <laughs> sacks. Uh, so that one's, uh, you know, it's not always about, it's not like the coach was like, complete, you know, it was all his fault, uh, but, but that is a little surprising that they would go that route. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's been around. He was also the Bills O line coach before the Giants. So Tommy DeVito did him. take like 14 sacks in one game, didn't he? I'm I'm exaggerating, but it was like nine or ten. Yeah, well, I mean, like they had twenty more sacks than Washington allowed, and it felt like Washington was allowing one every third play. So, right, um, that's crazy. Uh, and then, you know, accordingly, um, O line coach Travell Wharton, run game coordinator Juan Castillo, and also tight end coach Todd Storm not expected to be back. Um, you know, again, obviously with the O line coach, they now have a new place there and. Um, you know, Storm was uh, was the full time guy, but sort of a uh, an interim when uh, Pete Hainer retired and he took over. So more more to come. They still have to hire a bunch of other position coaches, uh, but yeah, that's that's where they are at right now. All right, great job, appreciate it. I will talk to you uh, at some point this week, but definitely Friday on radio. Looking forward to it, man. As always, uh, see ya. Ben Standing, everybody. We'll do some Denton news when we come back. All of our Super Bowl coverage on this Super Bowl Monday uh, brought to you by Solo Stove. Uh, Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton just informed me that we have some big, I shouldn't say big, we have some news locally that deals with some of the teams that don't get quite that much of attention because they're not very good. Um, But why don't you share the, the news that's out there about Caps Wizards to Virginia? Yeah, I would say this is big news. Congratulations to uh, to Ted. We're talking about your team's day after the Super Bowl, just uh, not for good reason. Senator Louise Lucas, who is a senator in the state of Virginia, says that as far as she is concerned, the stadium deal to get the Wizards and Caps into Virginia is dead. One of the issues was that some of the – one, the proposal didn't hold up the way that um, Glenn Youngkin thought it was going to, and on top of that – a lot of information was given out to the media and to the public before it had really been ironed out and everybody had agreed on it uh, legislatively. So Ted Leonsis in a little bit of trouble because on top of that, Kevin, it's being reported that if Ted Leonsis attempts to get out of his lease early at Capital One, Muriel Bowser and the city of D.C. might take legal action against him so good day for those of us that made money last night not a great day for ted leonsis in getting to virginia well was he threatening to leave that lease early or was he willing to uh, play there through the end of the lease which i thought was like 2027 or 2028 that i do not i don't know how long the lease goes to i know the plan was 2027 or 2028 everything was going to be up and running by potomac yard so that's about four or five years from now and then he had said that he wanted to keep it up as a place for concerts for the mystics for maybe the go-go i know your favorite esports team might play there or have events there i don't know play if there is the right word there but ted ted seemed to want to keep it and and bowser was like no it's wizards and caps or it's it's nothing and we're going to use this space for something else so it's getting a little weird and messy between the two well, look, from from the standpoint of keeping Capital One there without the two primary tenants, I know that he believes that um, some of the other properties that he has under the monumental banner are widely consumed and very important properties to the people of, of the DMV. They're not. Um, but uh, I'm with Mayor Bowser. Look, I, I don't... I think the city's just as much at fault in all of this. There is a part of Ted's pitch that I completely understand. You know, you're talking about a potential, now maybe it's about to die, great deal that would increase the valuation of a potential IPO of Monumental Sports um, by what I was told, 25 to 3x the valuation. Um, you're not and you haven't been getting super support from the city with respect to things like security. Um, you weren't going to get the, the the number that you wanted in terms of renovations to the arena until the 11th hour. I, I, I Look, I'm not a big fan of Ted as an owner in town of some of these teams. But from his standpoint, I do understand the position that the city, who's been slow to move on a lot of these issues, and probably in part because they thought he was bluffing to a certain degree. And I've said this since day one, since that what I thought was a very unbecoming, off-putting press conference with Governor Yunkin. And they, in Ted's case, he was way too what I referred to as giddy over leaving the city. I don't think he thought about it that way on that particular day. I just think he should have thought about that in more um, with with a little bit more thought than than that press conference sort of revealed with that said 
I also suggested on that day, I bet a lot of us would probably look at the deal Virginia's offering and it'd be hard for us to turn it down as well, given the current relationship with DC. But you can't, you don't need that arena there if the Wizards and Caps are gone. I mean, no offense to any of those other properties. They're not moving the needle, and it's a big waste of space. You're not going to get the concerts that you want in that venue. Um, So, yeah. uh, We'll get into this in more detail tomorrow. We'll try to get somebody on, you know, um, the guy from Channel 9 who does a lot of reporting on this, or or the guys from The Post that do a lot of of reporting on this. But it is a football day. So uh, what else do you have in news? All right, so some Swifties are not happy with Travis Kelsey yesterday for bumping Andy Reid. It was called by many uh, terrible behavior, and Taylor Swift <laughs> should be alarmed by this kind of uh, action. He's violent. <laughs> yeah. Well, for some of the, for some of them, it's the you know, it's probably the you know they brought a lot of new fans to football, and they're not yeah. used to the intensity of big game moments and the sideline arguments and the fights on the field and the the chippiness of of game day. Look, that was not a great look for Travis Kelsey, but like I said earlier in the show, I think the people that get most upset about these things without knowing at all what what actually happened um, are people that t- typically have not competed in things before. That is a heat of the competition moment. He's earned the right as one of the greatest players in the history of the game to be pissed off at that point that he had only been targeted once. And it's not like the team was having great success with him being targeted just once. They didn't have any points on the board. Well, he was also upset because he was not on the play for the fumble, the Pacheco fumble, and his role would have been to carry out one of the blocks of the guys that actually forced the fumble on Pacheco. Yeah. Did you see after um, the game? Andy Reid didn't seem to have an issue with it after the game. What else? Did you did you see after the game where they talked to Travis Kelsey about that on the CBS set, and he was like, "Oh, you guys caught that? Like, bro, there's 150 cameras. <laughs> of course, we. You're kind of like the oh, biggest how, deal how did on he the not field. Know that they like, caught it at that point. Yeah, of course they caught it. Yeah. Uh, so we've made it two and a half hours through the show. Uh, I don't. I mean, we haven't skewered Tony Romo yet. What did you think of his performance yesterday? I, I told you, I think for Tony Romo, and that is a low bar, I thought he was prepared for one of the first times uh, that I've watched him in the last couple of years. I think one of the real issues with Tony Romo over the last couple of years is he comes in and he totally wings it. Um, And I think there are game situation stuff that he has not picked up on in recent, you know, years. I actually thought he was prepared and had more salient points than I've heard in any game. Now, a lot of people are, are harping on the fact that he really didn't know the overtime rules. I missed the part where apparently he said if San Francisco had scored a touchdown on the first drive of overtime that the game would have ended. I was that, that is out. really awful. Yeah. Um and he did, or at least was informed, the uh, about what was going on at the end of the overtime before the Chiefs scored the touchdown, which is that first overtime in a postseason game is like the first quarter. You're not gonna; it's just gonna you're gonna switch ends of the field and continue in the same spot where you left off. And they did communicate that, but maybe it was only because somebody had to tell them it. So yeah, overall, oh, put it this way. It was not the worst Tony Romo performance of the year. Not even close to it. I thought he picked up specifically what Spagnuolo was doing defensively 
to frustrate the 49ers at times. I thought that they, you know, the third and five at the end of regulation, a completion gets you perhaps into a walk-off field goal moment. It's probably the play of the game. Um, and they came with a zero coverage blitz, or maybe that was the uh, earlier one where they settled for the long field goal. And you heard him say, um, "Don't you got to drop back and play coverage on this 49ers. And when he saw them coming with the all-out blitz, he said, I, I'm sorry, when, when he when Oh, that was again my, my fault. That was against uh that was the Chiefs completion to Rasheed Rice. Um I thought he picked up on all of the defensive packages stuff that Spagnolo was doing doing, and at the same time the 49ers and Steve Wilkes' decision to come with that zero coverage blitz uh in overtime. He's like in the middle of the snap, he goes, Uh oh. And he knew it. He knew that Mahomes was not fooled by it, that they would pick it up and the ball would be out immediately, which it was to uh, to Rice. Uh, what did you think of the halftime show? Loved it. Loved it. So you, you lo- I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. I thought Rihanna was way better last year, but I thought it was okay. I was pumped that little John Well, first of all, to I, I like Usher. I, did, I wasn't super excited about Usher you know, for a halftime show. But the group that he brought out, look, for a lot of people, I'm sure you needed, you know, Chirons on who these people were, but everybody knows Alicia Keys. I would think at this point, everybody knows her. She's a phenomenal artist, and I've been a big fan. She's a great guitarist, by the way, and I'm talking about like a rock guitarist. Um, she gave like a, a quick, you know, guitar performance that I'm not going to say was reminiscent of Prince in South Florida, but I'm a big fan of her. Um, I didn't know that that was Will I Am. I couldn't figure out who that was. Yeah, he had the, um, he had the mask on, so that that didn't help. Yeah, um, no, I, I I thought it was great. <laughs> Ludacris coming out. I thought it was good. There were a couple like I did not quickly identify Little John, but I do know <laughs> the tune. Um, I thought it was really good. I, I thought, look, I love I, Alicia Keys. Is I love her um, in every way, shape, and form. And I, her is super talented, super talented. Yeah, I was not aware that her was on guitar. I needed Chiron there. I'd heard her music before, but I, I had never put a. a she name was to the featured face. very heavily in the NBA playoffs for the first time, maybe two years ago. Yes, you know a lot of the stuff um, that she ha- had out at the time was featured. Uh, really, really talented singer, songwriter, and guitarist for sure. Like I've seen her ranked like super high among all time. Guitarist. I'm not talking about top 50 or top 100, but I think most people would be surprised at how how talented she is. Um, her is. Okay, uh, we'll finish up when we come back. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots 
of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Chiefs opponents in 2024, as we look ahead to the season opener on September, whatever that would be, Thursday night. Remember, back-to-back games Thursday and Friday night to start off the 2024 season. Um, But their home opponents include the Ravens, the Bengals, the Broncos, well, the, the three AFC West teams, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, then Ravens, Bengals, Texans, Saints, and Buccaneers. I'm going to predict right now Houston and Kansas City to open up the 2024 season at Arrowhead. Man, that's getting to be a thing, huh? The season opener at Arrowhead every year, seems like. Um, they probably, I don't know, it could be Harbaugh at Kansas City. Could be. You there, Denton? Or am I talking to myself? No, yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. I, I, I kind of thought that. I guess the Brazil thing for Philadelphia is not going to open. That's going to be on a, a Saturday, right? No, it's Friday. That's going to be a Friday. Yeah. So you're going to have the Chiefs at Arrowhead on Thursday night, opening up the season, and then Philadelphia playing in Brazil on Friday night. Yeah. By the way, next there. year the NFL announced also that one of the playoff games will be on streaming. This one will not be on Peacock. It'll Amazon. be on Amazon. So yeah. Amazon gets a streamed playoff game. Uh, next year. Hey, uh, how about Alex Ovechkin, real quickly? Uh, speaking of Ted's teams, another goalie scored in five straight games. He's got 13 on the year. The Caps did lose in overtime to Vancouver after beating Boston on Saturday, three to nothing. Wizards were competitive, competitive losses over the weekend, and my Terps lost in double overtime at Ohio State. How did that happen? <laughs> they should have won that game. All right. Uh, really. A compelling Super Bowl. That last 60 to 90 minutes was as good as it gets in big game sports. Um, And Mahomes, special. All right, back tomorrow. Chris Russell, next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 